Welcome to Search Talk Live with search engine optimization and marketing experts, Robert O'Haver and Matt Weber. Powered by the Robert Palmer family of companies. Good afternoon and welcome back to another great episode of Search Talk Live. We are uh, starting a little late today. We had some hiccups here, but we're good to go. Uh, Matt with is with me is today is Matt Weber of Roar Internet Marketing. Matt, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Getting ready for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I am doing that. Uh, we got. I still haven't got the turkey yet. <laughs> but I mean, uh, practicing. Are you practicing for Thanksgiving? Practicing what? Eating. Oh, uh, I have no problem there. <laughs> See, you can't just walk in Thanksgiving Day and eat four pieces of pumpkin pie. You got to. You got to practice for that. True. True. Uh, Stretch the belly. Or Stretch. What? <laughs> That's what I'm doing this week. Absolutely. Do the food coma thing. Yeah. You know, you talk to those food-eating champions, you know, the guys who can eat a lot of food, mm-hmm. and that's not spontaneous. They actually train for that. Really? Yes. It's very disciplined. They, yeah, I, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> well, I'm going to try this. That's what I'm doing this week. Not me, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're going au natural? Yeah. So today, guys, you're going to want to bring, uh, if you have questions, you go to Twitter and type hashtag search talk live and ask, answer your questions. We will get them answered live on the air with our guest. But today is one of our special guests. I mean, all our guests are special, but this one is, I'd say, mentioned, wouldn't you say, Matt, on just about every time we do Who Influences the Influencer, his name His comes name up. comes up for sure. I would definitely say that. But our guest today is the founder of SEO by the Sea. And out, uh, outside of Google, I'd say he's the leading expert on Google's search patents. And our guest today is Bill Slosky. Bill, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you today? Good, good. We're excited to have you on because, uh, like I just said, everybody mentioned your name. Uh, they find your your content and your, your information that you give to people uh, super valuable. And uh, it, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Mm-hmm. And it's a pleasure to share what I've been learning. Yeah. So today we're going to cover user-specific knowledge graph. Um, can you give us a little, uh, actually, before we do that, why don't you tell us, uh, for the people that don't know who you are, which they must live under a rock, but <laughs> uh, tell us who you are and a little bit about yourself. So I'm, I'm uh, the author of SEO by the Sea, and I work for a company called GoFish Digital. I'm the director of SEO research. Uh, I've been doing SEO since 1996, 97, when first came across uh, search engines and decided it would be good to promote websites to search engines to appear in them. Uh, I've been writing about patents from the search engines since about 2005. Mm-hmm. because I found it was one of the best places to learn new information. I mean, it's a version of continuing education. Uh, find new things, uh, looking at white papers and patents, and, and uh, sometimes uh, white papers are more up-to-date. Sometimes the patents are more up-to-date because they include things that it's possible Google has implemented. Yeah. For instance, uh, the thing that I wrote uh, this past week about user-specific uh, knowledge panels or knowledge graphs, it's uh, something Google has had people write papers on recently. Mm-hmm. And one came out in, I believe, June or July about uh, personal knowledge graphs, knowledge panels. Uh, that was a lot like the patent I wrote about that was originally filed in 2013. Wow. So the patent was maybe ahead of the paper Mm -hmm. because a lot of things that paper mentions are built into the patent already. Uh, So for the the listeners, could you explain how the user-specific knowledge graph affects the current search results? Sure. Okay, so we have... uh, personalization in search. When you do a search, Google may look at your previous search history and get an idea of what you're interested in. And that may influence uh, search results that you see. It's not quite a filter bubble, 
but it's more like Google is aware that you do searches, that you exist, that you have certain interests, and it's going to tweak the results you see based upon those. It's not going to utterly transform and change those around, but it's going to influence them to a strong degree. So Google came out with this patent on user-specific uh, knowledge graph and said, we're going to look at the queries that people perform. We're going to possibly look at the uh, social networking posts that they make, and we're going to look at the emails that they receive, maybe through Gmail, and see what they're about, see if they involve certain entities, certain locations, and we'll build a knowledge graph for each individual that includes those types of things. Mm -hmm. Maybe is aware of where they live, uh, where they uh, play tennis at, maybe where they go to vacation, if they're going to conferences, where they travel to. So and, sorry, go ahead. Uh, if you have a question, go ahead and ask. No, I was going to say, is this more an informational type query that you're talking, that it, it affects more? You make a tweet that says, going to... Uh, bring the kids to the tennis courts in Carlsbad. Uh, Google all of a sudden knows you have kids. It knows you play tennis. It knows you live in Carlsbad or you live near Carlsbad. So it's able to collect knowledge about you and about the other people, the other entities you have relationships with, like members of your family, your kids, your mm -hmm. wife, and so on. Uh, it's it becomes aware. Uh, it's keeping track. It's it doesn't just know the social networks that you belong to and who you might be connected to, but it knows knowledge about those things, things that you might share with them, relationships you might have with them. Kind of so like your kind of like your wife or nosy neighbor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bill, at one time Google said that. Social media posts aren't indexable. They don't show up on SERPs because they didn't have the technical capacity to crawl all of Twitter and crawl all of Facebook. Has that changed? Are they, have they now, are they now Twitter, able to crawl Twitter and Facebook? So they made a deal with Twitter where they get the uh, fire hose of information. So they have all that data. They have access to it. Uh, they don't have that type of access to Facebook. They used to have access to Google+, Plus, but that's gone. Uh, so maybe they have some, maybe they're paying attention, less attention to social networking than they are to uh, things like emails, if you use Gmail, or other things you might post online. Uh, so the ecosystem that Google uses that they're paying attention to may have changed from from when that was originally filed back in 2013 to now. But they st do still have some access to that type of stuff. Is the user-specific knowledge graph in place now? It's hard to tell. We, we know that a knowledge graph is in place that includes things like uh, entities that are mentioned in places like Wikipedia. So they're notable. But when you uh, tweet something about having a guitar that needs to be repaired, your guitar isn't in Wikipedia. But it's an entity that would be in your personal knowledge graph. The fact that you play guitar... Uh, that you have a guitar, uh, that's something Google would store information about. Based on your research, hypothetically, if we had a group yeah. of 50 people that all performed the same query from the same location, based on your knowledge, how many different results would be fed back from Google from that 50 pool of people doing the same exact query? Good question. That's sort of like a cosmic comics question. <laughs> There's a writer named Atal 
uh, Ivano Calvino, who wrote a book called Cosmic Comics that's based roughly on science. It's like at one point in time, the, before the Big Bang, the universe was really small. It was all at one point. And all your neighbors lived right next to each other. They were at the same place. Which is why I brought the Cosmic Comics thing up. Okay, so people don't perform searches all at the same place. But uh, we're not quite sure what Google was doing with click-throughs or what type of influence that might have. Google's probably tracking individuals as they do searches as if those individuals were entities. And they're probably tracking uh, what queries they perform, what documents they choose, uh, when they search, what time of year it is, uh, what time of day it is. And they've, they're collecting so much data about searchers and searches. Uh, it's probably more information than exists on the web in total. Wow. Kind of think, think, <laughs> think how many people are doing searches a day, yeah. and it's probably millions, right? Mm -hmm. So there are maybe a few trillion web pages, but how many times do people search a month if they're searching a few million times a day? It, it's a lot of information. It's a lot to track. Uh and a lot of what Google's tracking is information about searchers and searches and uh, who looks at what page when and where and how long they spend there or how long they think they spend there because Google's measuring that based upon uh, when you select a page to look at in search results and then you come back to do new search. So that amount of time between your searches is the amount of time they're estimating possibly that you spend at a page. Hmm. But you've got uh, the best reputation as uh, we talked about in the start of the show as knowing more things about Google patents than just about anybody. What do you think is the biggest secret you've ever unearthed from reading a Google patent? What was your biggest wow moment from reading a patent? It probably had to do with phrase-based indexing. Is that something that you do? Yes. Yeah, really? Okay, good. So <laughs> when, when the person who first patented that came to Google, it was probably about 2003, 2004. She came out with the patent. Uh, she originally built a search engine for the Internet Archive called Recall, which is a beta. It was never actually released in uh, a final form. It was purchased by Google before that could happen. And she was hired two weeks later. Uh, and she went to work for them. She released a, a patent for phrase-based indexing. And... The fact that it, it involved so much uh, co-occurrence of words and semantic topic modeling uh, was really amazing to me when I came across it back in 2004. And I watched as a lot more patents got added to it. There are over 20 patents related to phrase-based indexing now. Yeah. And... You know, usually when there's just one on something, they, okay, maybe this isn't released. But as they add more and more, you sort of grow uh, certain that they're likely using the patent. When uh, you start using the, that semantic topic modeling and it makes a difference, that's when you're sure it's being used. But don't really see anybody releasing any case studies and I'm not necessarily releasing one <laughs> you've written that latent semantic indexing is widely misunderstood can you tell us about that 
sure. It's uh, a way of using uh, uh, words, words that appear on pages in documents and the relationship to each other and co-occurrence of words that appear on those documents uh, in a mathematical way that, that uh, uh, tries to index them. Uh, it was originally written in 1986, 1988, and patented by Bell Labs. Uh, and the patent describes a database of about eight books worth of material, which is a somewhat small database, much smaller than the web. And the patent also says, if you add new information to an index, you need to run the process over again. So you know how much the web changes. Mm -hmm. People add content, people remove, delete content, they 404 pages, they add comments on blog posts, stuff like that. The web is much too active for uh, latent semantic indexing to index it realistically or continue to re-index it. And a lot of people That's, think that latent semantic indexing is taking synonyms of words or phrases and populating a page <sighs> with semantically relevant synonyms. But you contend that's not at all what Google's looking for. Is that correct? So, not at all. Uh, this is like trying to explain calculus in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Latent semantic indexing is a way of indexing. It's not a way of optimizing. So that's that's potentially where part of the problem comes from. So latent semantic indexing is a way of understanding the words on a page because of the other words that exist on the same page. And when it indexes, uh, it it tracks that type of stuff. It it it's not a way of making a page more indexable for a certain word. It it's not an optimization approach. Uh, there are people who have come up with LSI keywords tools, and those use something that's much more like phrase-based indexing, where you understand which other words frequently co-occur on pages that rank for a certain term. And you add those frequently co-occurring words on your page uh, to try to rank for that same term. So if you have a page that's about the president of the United States, you'll see certain phrases appear on that page like Oval Office, Rose Garden, uh, Secretary of State. And those all you look at those phrases and you can predict what that page is about, the topic of that page. And that's the keywords that page might be optimized for. And that's how something like LSI keywords ideally should work. That's the way phrase-based indexing does work. Uh, so LSI keywords can't work exactly like phrase-based indexing. Otherwise, Google could sue the people who run LSI keywords and uh, stop them from using LSI keywords or offering a tool. So, Bill, I have a question. Now, sure. not to get off topic here, but do you have you seen from Google, you know, you have the knowledge graph obviously, but utilizing, you know, schema markup to provide information towards that. Uh, do you see that with Google not just leaning on knowledge graph so to speak, but also leaning on people that do markup on their website and, and provide those, those rich answers and type of stuff like that. Google has lots of redundant approaches. I mean, 
they're not necessarily completely redundant, but they uh, work towards the same goal. So Google may look at schema to learn about uh, certain topics. And because it's machine readable, they can scan the web for those uh, schema uh, uh, scripts quickly and, and just read that stuff and learn about entities and relationships between entities based on schema markup uh, as one way of learning about that type of stuff and potentially adding to a knowledge graph that information. Okay. Google likely is using an alternative approach, which involves uh, using something like a BERT, a natural language processing approach mm-hmm. to uh, read pages, identify entities, parse uh, information about those entities like uh, triples of uh, subject, verb, object, triple information where they learn facts about the entities and relationship information involving other entities. Uh, So the movie Planet of the Apes was released three times, the first time in 1968. And Google has three entries in the knowledge graph involving the Planet of the Apes movie where they they say, okay, release date, who the producer is, who the actors are, uh, what the movie was rated, so on. They're collecting information and they're sometimes disambiguating that information based upon the fact that there might be three movies with the same name. They're trying to distinguish between the three. They can read the web read uh, web pages, extract entities, and collect that information. And they have some sites where they might do that on a regular basis, like a, a CNN or a Daily Mail or the New York Times, where they can collect new entity information on a regular basis. And they're building knowledge graph off of sources like that, too. Bill, what do you think is the most widely misunderstood signal in search? That is te- it's tempting to say a few different things. I think uh, I'll stick with relevance. Tell us about I that. Think I think people don't quite understand that there's an aspect to relevance uh, that involves something called materiality. How important, how important uh, a relevance might be. We talked about this in in criminal law uh, procedure in law school. A person who uh, is on trial for murder might have character witnesses called. One of those character witnesses might be his kindergarten teacher who who comes up, testifies that he was a great student as a five-year-old, you know, so 40-some years ago. That's really, it's relevant. It's not very material. So uh, you can have stuff that's relevant without being very material. Hmm. So there's... Not quite degrees of relevance, but perhaps weights of relevance. Is that – am right, I saying – Right. Absolutely. And and there's a sort of weights between entities, relationships between entities. Uh, when we hear that uh, when the Google is trying to update its knowledge graph and has someone like Barack Obama and – it's trying to fill in who's Barack Obama's spouse is. It may look and see lots of pages that have uh, Barack Obama mentioned along with Michelle Obama. It may see pages where Hillary Clinton is mentioned and uh, other women. Uh, but it can get certainty that Barack Obama is married to Michelle Obama because they tend to be mentioned more frequently as being married to each other on 
pages that are more reliable or pages that are more popular. And Google's looking at reliability and popularity of pages that information like that comes from to determine weights between entities and entity relationships to determine relevance and weights of relevance. Hey, Bill, we have to take yes. a break real quick, but um, can we hold that thought? When we get back, we'll finish that. But also, we're going to do what's called Who Influences the Influencer? Uh, we want to know who you kind of follow in the industry to, to keep you, help you uh, up to date on things. And I, I know Google's probably one of them, obviously, but, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we also have a Sounds question. Good. We also have a question from a listener, uh, from Twitter and, uh, we'll ask you that when we get back. Okay. Today's episode of search talk live is sponsored by, Hey Robert. You're here early for the show. Yeah, I got a ton of SEO work done this morning, and I got it done way ahead of schedule. Couldn't have done it without Ahrefs. Yeah, so much easier than using multiple programs and having data in a bunch of different places. Plus, being able to see what is holding a page back from ranking in Ahrefs is so much faster than picking through each part myself. Oh, yeah, I agree. We use Ahrefs because it's so easy to teach people at our agency how to use it. Their YouTube tutorials couldn't be better. It's one thing to have a tool. It's another thing to know your team is using it to its full capacity. I don't think there's an easier, more complete tool than Ahrefs. Hey, Robert, why don't you hit them up to be a sponsor of the show? I am way ahead of you. Ahrefs, the official SEO tool of Search Talk Live. Try their new seven-day trial for only $7. Go to Ahrefs.com. That's Ahrefs.com. Your website analytics data probably feels like this. But it could feel like this. Making sense of all the website data available to you hasn't been easy until now. Smilelytics transforms your website analytics data into easy-to-understand memorable photographs. You pick your own photo theme. Smilelytics. S-M-Y-L-E. Lytics. Like analytics. Only happier. And it's free at smilelytics.com. Want to know how your website is doing? Get the big picture with pictures. It's the easiest and most enjoyable way to understand your website data. No charts, no graphs, no cost. Sign up today. Smilelytics. S-M-Y-L-E-Lytics. Like analytics. Only happier at smilelytics.com. Learning a lot from Search Talk Live, but don't know what specific SEO actions you should be taking on your website? Or maybe you've tried to implement SEO on your website, but haven't gotten the results you were aiming for. We've all been there. That's why we here at Pixel Cut Labs created the SEO Project Planner. It's a one-time project where our SEO team runs a full site crawl, overlays data from leading SEO tools, and manually audits every page on your website. We'll use our findings to craft a strategic plan that covers everything from your link building strategy to page level technical SEO and content recommendations. The project planner is perfect for businesses that are serious about SEO and want to hit a home run by leveraging our proven SEO strategy. To learn more and to see pricing for your project, visit pixelcutlabs.com STL or text STL to 31996. Pixel Cut Labs, welcome to page one. Get your questions in on Twitter. Type hashtag search talk live and your question. Now back to the show. All right. Welcome back. Uh, with us today is Bill Schlosky of SEO by the Sea. Uh, Bill, the one of the questions we have from Twitter is, it says, hello, question for Bill. What would you say has been one of the most significant changes has made for your experience that has potentially gone under the radar in terms of coverage spotlight? That is really difficult. Uh, Dan, if you could elaborate that. Uh, that might help. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big topic. It's a big topic. Uh, I... I so one I've been focusing upon a lot has been Google's movement from crawling web pages to crawling information about entities. And I think people don't necessarily quite grasp the importance of 
including entities on their pages, including uh, related entities and relationship information about those entities. It's, it's, it's almost as if we're moving from indexing web pages to indexing the entities we represent. Yeah. So, so local businesses to people at Google are known as local entities. Mm-hmm. So your business is an entity. It's not a brand. It's an entity. When Google finds the name of your business in a query, it's not saying, oh, it's a brand. They're saying, oh, it's an entity. We know about that. It's in knowledge graph or it isn't in knowledge graph. So one of the things that uh, is a little bit confusing is if you do a knowledge graph search, you'll see a result score yeah. for an entity. The result score is Google's confidence that the entity that it thinks is in your query is the entity it has information about. And that's what the result score is about, a confidence level. So one of the things I'm taking away from your answer is if I was an air conditioning repair company, I would want to on my website have some copy about the brands that I sell, Carrier, which is an entity, or Train, which is an entity, because if I can associate with Google my entity with their entities, the knowledge that Google has about their entities could be transferred to what they know about my entity. Is that a fair right. extrapolation of what you're saying? That is that is very important. So so I had a client who uh, had an apartment complex or an apartment building in Northern Virginia, near the Beltway, near Washington, D.C. And if you took the elevator down to the basement of this uh, apartment complex, you didn't, you didn't get to the basement. You came out in the Washington Metro line, which really wasn't on the website. They didn't tell you that. They should have. Because as an entity, it's a really important one. It's, it's a way around D.C., around Northern Virginia, and around Southern Maryland that really can't be beat. It makes commuting from place to place much easier. If you've driven the roads of D.C., you know what that's like. It's not a very good experience. Uh, so knowing that you live in an apartment complex where you can go down to the basement, hop on the metro line, uh, go to one of 19 Smithsonian's where you can bring your kids for free, uh, it's a good thing to know. Uh, it's something that should be on your website. And if it's not, you're not doing it right. You're missing out on something that uh, you should let the world and Google know about. So entity connection can be a valuable SEO hint for some folks listening to the show. It's it's a way of uh, providing – okay, so if you're trying to sell location, uh, an apartment complex, you want to provide information about location. You want to let them know you, – you want to let your audience know what schools are in the area, what – parks are in the area, what other landmarks, what shopping's available. So if you were designing this website for this apartment complex and one of Virginia's largest shopping malls was two blocks away, but underground, and it is, it's uh, Pentagon City. And if you don't put it on your website, you're missing out. You should let people know things like that. Uh, and, then mark, it's, and then mark it's it up, four, right? Right, it's a four-story tall or four-story high shopping mall, all underground. Uh, there, there are other things under on that metro that aren't noticeable, but uh, you have like the world headquarters for Lockheed Martin, which is a huge uh, uh, military uh, uh company providing military equipment uh, and if, if uh, somebody works for them your apartment complex would be a great place to live to avoid a commute 
Yeah. So, so I, 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 we need to get back to the, uh, I forgot to, uh, to finish up the who influences the influencer. Um, we usually do it right after the break, but, uh, had a long answer on that question. <laughs> um, okay. No problem. But, um, so we want to know who influences you and everyone, okay, so- everyone listening, please get out your pen and paper. Uh, Here's the ultimate internet who's who coming exactly. up right now. Okay, so I have a number of people from Google who I follow. I have alerts for them. Uh, one of them is Paul Hare, who, who did a uh, How Google Works presentation at SMX East a few years ago uh, and writes a number of patents. I've written about 15 or so of the ones he's written. Uh, Navneet Panda is another one. Uh, there's a guy named Tristan Upstill, who used to be the head of uh, the core Google ranking algorithm. Uh, he does a lot of quality uh, search uh, patent stuff, too. Uh, Jeff Dean, who's the head of Google Brain, and he's written a lot about uh, crawling of Google websites. Uh, Emily Moxley used to be one of the head uh, product managers at Google. Uh, so I, I follow a lot of people from Google, which isn't a surprise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there are a few SEOs. I think uh, the one I follow most closely is Dawn Anderson, who writes a lot about... Uh, Search, uh, yeah. Information information retrieval. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's been on the show. She's great. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Is there anyone else? I think I'll leave it at that. Okay. Do you have any favorite podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I, I, I will say that I've seen your podcast show up in Knowledge Graph. Yes. In reference to... Uh, uh, me and to some other people I know mm-hmm. who have looked up. So you're doing a good job with that scheme markup. Thank you. Nicely done, Robert. <laughs> I'd <laughs> like to take credit for that, but it's actually Spreaker this time. Uh, <laughs> hey, Bill, do you think that uh, any of the search engines file patents just to throw somebody off, to throw the competition for a loop? I'm not quite sure. It's hard to tell. Uh that would be what people might refer to as red herrings. Yes. But I think there's a cost with filing a patent. It's not quite the same as it was back when Google started. So when uh, Larry Lawrence Page first filed the patent for PageRank, he was filing as a small business entity, and he got away with filing it for like $80. And Sergey Brin filed a a follow-up patent to that about half a year later. And he got to file that for about 80 bucks, too. Uh, Nowadays, they go through a process where they have a bunch of lawyers read through the things. And they wait till that's done before they file them. And it's a lot of work to have the search engineers working on things and then have lawyers go over them. Uh, and then filed them as an actual uh, large business entity, it's expensive. Uh, but, you know, if you're doing the uh, uh, intellectual property development that that is worth protecting, it's worth paying that. Bill, you've written about diversity on the SERP and Google's patents that have a goal of increasing the diversity of results on the search engine results page. You know, a lot of SEOs, for them, the holy grail is having a paid ad, a local placement, a knowledge graph, and an organic listing. Are those SEOs now fighting a losing battle if Google is attempting to diversify the results on a SERP? It's a tricky question. Uh, I'll tell you one reason why is Google, 
seem to have been following some approaches that they maybe abandoned. One of them was uh, there's a process of, of uh, combining or merging results together called augmentation. So Google for a while came out with the patent that said if you have a high-ranking organic result and a high-ranking local result for the same query, we might merge them by removing the organic result and boosting the local result. So I, I wrote about that patent, and then next day I get a phone call from a coworker saying, hey, we have a client who just lost their organic ranking. It disappeared. Hmm. And I said, what's query term? And I look it up, and at the very top of the uh, results is the local result for that company, which uh, had never ranked that highly for local results before. So they, they removed the organic result and boosted the local result. And that didn't last too long. It's something they tried, and it appears they gave up on. Hmm. We, right. We're getting down to the end of the show, and I, we can't end the show without at least touching on the November 15th Wall Street Journal article, how Google interferes with its search algorithms and changes your results. Now, just a brief overview of that article. They tested 17 or 19 queries, and they made the assertion that Google suppresses and manipulates results to favor larger businesses. They keep blacklists, et cetera. You were so, quite vocal on that. What there, was your was specific because, issue with that? Okay, how many billions of searches do people do at Google? And they're uh, using such a small... He set off his, <laughs> his Google phone. It's, it's a ladder phone. I got a new phone. Wow. So, uh, this is from YouTube. Thanks. <laughs> Just say the big G. <laughs> so they had such small sample size, 17 queries. Uh, some of the conclusions they came up with were – uh, that Google is purposefully manipulating search results so that bigger businesses rank higher than small businesses. And as an SEO for 20-some years, rank lots of really small businesses more highly than larger businesses. Google's definitely not purposefully ranking larger businesses over smaller businesses. Mm-hmm. Not my experience. They also made the claim that Google's ranking sites that advertise higher than sites that don't. Yeah, that wouldn't... And, you know, as, as somebody who's worked for sites who've done cost-benefit analysis to decide whether or not to pay for advertisements, paid placement, Yeah, uh, we've decided against that because SEO was affordable, you know? Why pay $100,000 a month when you can rank number one organically? Agreed. And get, get as much or more traffic. Well, I, I, I am dying to ask you something, Bill, and, it, and it's, it's, yeah. it's not really technical, but how do you feel now that Google's kind of pushed down with the paid and, and the, the local three-pack? How do you feel about that? That organic isn't where it used to be. I think it's forcing us to become better marketers. Yeah. You know, when you, when you watch an ad on TV or on the radio, you're not getting immediate clicks or responses. Mm-hmm. You're building brand awareness. Well, appearing in search results isn't necessarily giving you an immediate response, but it's building up the company that you're representing. And, you're doing the same type of thing with knowledge panels, with uh, uh, related questions. People also ask type things. Yeah. You're building awareness. And it's slightly less immediate of a response to your marketing, but it's something you can build upon. And it's worth building on. It's kind of made the SEO guy kind of go out and say, you know, I need to get 
position zero <laughs> because <laughs> well i was i was trying to rank for position zero back in 2004 with definition questions yeah and there was a way to rank uh using glossary pages for definition results really uh and you know been trying it since 2004 like i said so it's nothing new all right. Well, guess what time it is? It is time for the Search Talk Live tattoo. No, it's time for Believe It or Leave oh, It. Oh, yeah, Believe It or Leave It. Sorry. <laughs> Believe <laughs> It or Leave It. Bill, one of the most popular parts of our show, we're going to give you three statements that we found on the Internet, and we're going to ask you to tell our audience whether they should believe it or whether they should leave it. Are you ready? Okay. Sure. All right. Number one, the expiration of Google's page rank patent means that competitors will finally take some of Google's market share. Believe it or leave it? Leave it. Tell us why. So Google, it wasn't Google's patent. It was Stanford's patent. Google had an exclusive license to use it. But Google most likely abandoned the use of that particular patent back in 2007, according to somebody who posted on uh was it Hacker News? Hacker News that that uh, Google abandoned that version of PageRank, and they likely uh, started using something referred to as adaptive PageRank, which uh, increases indexing speed by like thirty percent. Uh, so it's a different version, different brand of page rank i love uh, how, i love how he answered that question he was just kind of like so confident it's like no it's not google <laughs> yeah great answer that was awesome all right so, so so other other search engines have uh said things about page rank like uh microsoft come out has come out with a block level page rank mm -hmm. which indexes parts of pages using page rank but there's no proof that they're actually using that. Got it. Gotcha. All right. You ready for question number two? Sure. You should not trust what Google says. You should only trust what they do. Well, that's more of a statement. <laughs> True or false? Believe it or leave it. So, so, so Barry Schwartz came out with a uh, story today where they were talking about the possibility of uh, uh Google search engineers ranking web pages because it would give them a chance to experience what it was like to do SEO. And while I agree with that, I, I think there have been some people who've worked at Google who've had some actual experience building websites and uh, doing stuff like uh, they had a head of structured search uh, called Alan Halevi who yeah. wrote a, a classifieds.com website that works a lot like indeed.com mm -hmm. and it worked really well uh, so they do have some people who have experience building websites doing search yeah. or at least building the sites themselves work well uh, not necessarily to rank pages and how fair would it be to uh, have search engineers rank web pages yeah Depends on who the search engineer was, I think. Yeah. Well, here's number three, Bill. Are you ready? Sure. In the next two years, half of the results on a Google search engine results page will not contain links to web pages. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Leave it. Leave it. Yes. Leave it. Because we're coming into the Internet of Things. We're going to have more things that have access to the web, like refrigerators, ovens, cars. You're going to have small screens or voice interfaces where there's room for just one answer. Hmm. And so and it might just be and, an answer without a link. What if you don't like the answer? Do <laughs> <I'm> another <kidding>. search. <laughs> Go to Bing now. Uh, oops. 
All right. Well, uh, now it's time for Search, Search Talk, Talk Live Lives. Tattoo. Bill, a lot of really great <laughs> deep stuff there that I don't think a lot of people are going to listen to the show, listen to it again and unpack really great stuff. But now it's time for your last piece of advice that you could give SEOs based on our topic today. It's got to be tattooable. Robert gets all of these as tattoos, so keep it succinct. What's your best Search Talk Live <laughs> tattoo? <laughs> I, okay, I feel like I'm cheating a little bit because I'm repeating myself, but it's optimized entities. Oh, nice one. Okay. Pulled from the content of the show and unique and powerful, optimized entities. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that. Nicely done. Thanks. Well, Bill, I want to thank you uh, for being on the show. It's been uh, an hour chocked full of geek talk. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> which all our listeners love, so they listen in. But um, it, it's been a real pleasure. Your insights are, are very rare, and it, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, it's been enjoyable. Thank you all. Um, I hope you have better Thanksgivings than what we have planned for here. Yeah, oh, really? What, what's that? We're supposed to get rain and snow in Southern California. Oh, wow. Stay inside yeah. and eat. That's strange. I, I, I think so. Uh I have to make sure I get to the grocery store and get a good julienne pie. Yes. There's a, there's a town in San Diego County called Julian, which used to be a gold mining town until they decided they discovered that apples grew better than gold. <laughs> and they're growing lots of apples. They supply all the grocery stores around San Diego with apple pie. Nice. And nice. they're good pies. Well, have so a great get, Thanksgiving. Yes, don't oh, have... Oh, you too. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye now. Yeah, guys, another episode of Search Talk Live. I wanted to thank everyone for listening to the show. I think Bill brought in some really good uh, information. Some a lot of deeper level stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not on a level that a lot of people think about, but it's, uh, it, it's here, and it's, it's, it's just going to get more and more intense, I believe. Yeah, I mean, when you think about what he is writing about and what will be taken into account when you do a search to give you relevant results. Yeah. That was pretty fascinating. It is. It's, it's amazing. Uh, but anyway, guys, just to let you know, next week is, are probably going to be off next week for, because of the Thanksgiving holiday. Some of us are going out of town and, uh, won't be around, but, uh, we will be back the following week. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. So next week we're going to work off the calories that we put on this week. <laughs> And I wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving and happy holidays. And uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening, everybody. Search Talk Live is sponsored by the Robert Palmer family of companies. If you have questions for Search Talk Live or you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor of the show, email Robert at searchtalklive.com. That's searchtalklive.com.